This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, more doom for D. The United bandwagon rolls on. And come on, Scotland, let's get it done. Hello, we're back. And once again, we're a quartet, which is a bit bit politer than I phrased it last <laughs> week, right enough. I'm Tom Duthie. As I look at, as I look at my virtual screen here, I'm joined by Graham Finnan, Ewan Smith, and George Cran. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Notice Ewan was cheerier, and we'll <laughs> get into that straight away as we look at Dundee. George. Yeah. I should I should tell the listeners uh, anyone anyone listening in black and white George is wearing black today. <laughs> what happened, George? Uh, they weren't very good, um, which was a surprise because they have been decent this season, if not getting the results their play deserved. But they got exactly where they deserved on Saturday. Um, there was nothing in it actually to begin with. Nothing particularly happened. The conditions were pretty awful for fast flowing football and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but then, as soon as Johnson scored, the result was only going one way. Um, Dundee didn't didn't respond at all until it was too late. Is that a big disappointment? Because as well as the, the standard of performance, but lack of goals has been a problem. But the standard of performance has been praised. But it does, by all accounts heads went down quite quickly after the first goal I, th- I, I think that's kind of symptomatic of the run they've been on obviously it all adds up when you when you can't score a goal and then the other team scores then it's almost inevitable that the heads are going to go down it's, to some extent um, and we, we know how good or how tough a team St Johnston are to break down uh, maybe that was part of it but they, it didn't work for them on, on Saturday they, they stuck with the, the three at the back. It worked well against Rangers and given a lot of good good moments in that game. But against St. Johnson, it just didn't work at all. They couldn't get the, the ball up to the, the front men. Uh, couldn't really get them involved. The midfield wasn't doing much in an attacking sense. And and I think that was it all kind of combined. They got caught open down the, down the left a couple of times in the first half. The goal after half time then just compounded everything coming down that same side, and yeah, it was just it was a really bad afternoon for for the team. Really, uh, obviously, the manager was in the stands as well. He admitted he'd made a stupid mistake the week before, getting sent off. I don't think that helped. Um, I don't know. He might have been able to change things in the first half if if he'd been down on the bench. It might have been easier, but. It was just a bad day all around, something that they want to move on from quickly, but there's two weeks in an Arsenal break. Um, time to work on things, though. A lot of work to yeah. do. Bear, you were you were there as usual. You paid your way in and to suffer. Um, it's, it's not the first time three at the back hasn't worked. Is it fair to say three at the back's worked better when it's become a five like it did against Rangers. That's absolutely. I think they did well to a point against Rangers, but you've got to remember the amount of possession that Rangers actually had in that game. So the three at the back was effectively camped in, so it did become a five. And and then, you know, when they did break, there was a wee bit of space there. St Johnston didn't actually 
play that way, unfortunately. And I've got to say, hindsight's a great thing, but, you know, watching the game on Saturday, um, it, it was pretty obvious to myself that three at the back wasn't working. Now, I'm not I'm not the manager. Yeah, he's made... It's, it's a difficult one. The manager's been working on the basis probably from very early on, you know, prior to the game, the week leading up to it, that he's going to stick with that three at the back and he set his team out to do that. And it takes a brave man then 20 minutes into a game to suddenly change things around and, and admit he's got something wrong and you, you end up having to pull a player off. And, you know, um, that's never a nice thing when you've got to make an early substitution. And very, very few man- managers would do it. But I thought during the game, that was the way they had to go because effectively it wasn't working. They were really uh, being hemmed in a wee bit by St. Johnston. Although, to be fair, Adam Legsens hasn't had a lot to do. There was an early scare. Um, Stevie May scuffed one past the post, a warning sign, if you like. But it wasn't working right across the park, Tom. You know, they weren't getting any balls up to Cummins. They weren't getting any bo- real balls up to uh, McMullen. Nothing was sticking. The St. Johnston back line, you know, Dundee weren't laying a glove on them. It was all too easy. Um, and they didn't change it. And unfortunately, they found themselves, uh, you know, all the trouble was coming down Dundee's left, St. Johnston's right-hand side. And um, they found themselves 2 nothing down at half time. And it was always going to be a long way back against the St. Johnston side that we know give very little away in games. Um, but to be fair to, to James McPake, you know, he did change it at half time. And, you know, he brings on, on Sheridan and, and Max Anderson and, and they changed their shape. But, you know, just Dundee's luck. You know, I don't, I'm not even sure if a Dundee player had actually touched the ball and it was in the back of their net again you know, before most boys were back from the pie stall. You know, and it's 3 nothing down and it's game over. And while it was better in the second half, you could see Sheridan at least, you know, gave the St. Johnston defence something to think about. It, it was a pretty woeful performance for, from Dundee. And um, I was interested that, that James McPake, you know, mentioned that they looked like a championship side. And that's what I thought as well when I was watching them. You, you, you began to think... <laughs> You know, and I know they were magnificent in the championship last year, but you began to think, are we just a championship side that have struck a lucky, you know, getting up and we're going to struggle all season this season? But you've got to put in perspective, it was was a performance that wasn't akin to the performances that have been shown, um, but it was was slightly worrying, I've got to say, regardless of the fact that they didn't have Griffiths and Adam on the park. And they've they've got a lot of thinking and a lot of work to do over this next two weeks, Tom. You and looking at it from... Slightly further afield, uh, if you like, is this what the worry always is when you're getting praised for n- performances that don't produce wins? That outside of the old firm, very few clubs go a whole season without having bad performances. And if you don't make the most of your good performances, you're going to really suffer then when the bad run comes along. Yeah, absolutely, Tam. I mean, I think think often you would quite often want to play badly and get a result, wouldn't you? And, and they, they quite often say that the, the title-winning sides are the sides that scrape out a, a 1-0 win against the odds when they actually didn't deserve to win 1-0. And I feel a little bit for Dundee. I still I keep going on and I'm, I miss the positivity sometimes, but I still believe when you look at the, the nucleus of their squad and the players on paper that they, they do have enough of a, a team there to stay up. And maybe I've not seen enough of Dundee this season, but um, by comparison, and I've seen the, the team that's down with them at the weekend, Ross County, and um, I wasn't particularly impressed with Ross County. Ross County looked like a team a bit devoid of confidence, and whilst they've got a couple of individuals that play well, I don't know. I, I think Dundee on paper to me would be stronger than them, but they're not showing it at the moment, and for whatever reason, the, 
that whether it's whether it's because James McPake on Saturday, like you say, wasn't able to to coach from the sidelines, George. I mean, which is can be a problem when you're down because you need that motivation and that drive from your manager, or whether it's they're really missing that guiding craft to Charlie Adam. And I know Charlie Adam is getting on, and I know he's not always got the he's not like a box to box midfielder, but he can he can cut a defence open with a pass and and just do something different that gets you the goal that they win you the game, you know. But it was a big blow at the weekend for Dundee, no doubts about it. I did not see that kind of result coming against St Johnston. I thought it would have been a, a lot tighter. And George, we touched on this last week, it so often happens when it's not going well on the park, there's always something <laughs> off the park then that you don't want. And news has broken that the players, <laughs> ironically, aren't happy about the win bonuses that have been offered. Uh, yeah, talk about timing. It's, um, I don't think it's helped their their cause somehow. I think if you were a comedian, you'd be quite <laughs> proud of the timing. Uh, it's just something the club, the manager, the players as well, they don't need uh, in the situation they're in where they're scrambling around for points at the moment and, and getting themselves back back on track is just another thing to add to the negativity. It's... Um, Type of thing that really should have been sorted before the season yeah, even I mean, started. George, why is it? Why is it not? Why is it not being sorted out? I mean, it's the sort of thing you would think. You know, if Charlie Adams is a, is a, is a player's rep, or it's Paul McGowan or whoever, mm. before the, the ball's kicked, you say, "Come on, let's get let's get a cup of coffee. We'll thrash this out now." And you know, well, things are, especially from a player's perspective. You know, things were pretty rosy over the summer. They, they, they'd come up on mm. the back of some terrific performances and come from nowhere, and they got themselves back into the Premier League. Why is that not being thrashed out? It's really, it's really quite staggering. From what I understand, the, I think the positions of the two sides are quite far apart. I think that's been the issue. I think um, there's also been other things. Uh, John Elm's been in America for, for a wee while, uh, which maybe didn't help. Obviously, it's time distance, uh, time difference. Sorry, you can't exactly have a. You can do Zoom and stuff, but I, I'm sure they maybe put that to one side. But yeah, I think. I don't, know, it's, it's what, I, don't, I don't understand why it hasn't been sorted. It would seem that it's the thing that every club does that before the season kicks off. You, yeah, you have that agreement call, in place. Call me old, but is that not the sort of thing that's sorted out before the end of the previous season so that the players going on their holidays know and if you're signing a player, mm-hmm. it's it's part of the, the part of the personal terms. You say, here's what we're offering you as a wage, here's what you yeah, get as a bonus. It should have been. And, Maybe because they and, didn't and, know... And, and, which league they were going to be in, that all that sort of stuff got pushed pushed back. That's the only thing I can think because I know that contracts weren't getting handed out to anybody because they didn't know if they'd be championship or premiership. It's just a, for me, it's, it's not so much the timing of sorting it out, it's the timing that this has all come out. I mean, yeah. the person that's yeah. chosen to leak yeah. this, they could have fought a bit more consistently. A, a bit, they could have been a bit sharper and a bit cl- more clever about this and, and released it at a point when Dundee were running on a run of wins, you know, to release it when you've not won a single game. I mean, it just opens yourself up. Now, position the strength, yeah. you do it from the, this sort of thing, but that's when it's win bonuses and you haven't won a game, the, the, the folk are going to point the finger at you, uh, the players, aren't they? It's a while to the next game, but can you imagine mm. it's Aberdeen at Dens, isn't it? Can you imagine if they go 1 0 down? Yeah. I know what I'd be saying. Yeah, exactly. Jim, going, Tom, going back, I remember the late, great Jim McLean and the strategy here at Tardis all those years ago, and United couldn't afford to pay 
the huge wages of Celtic and Rangers at that point in time. So everything was based on your win bonus. You know, basically, you know, if you got your you got your win one week, you'd get another two hundred pound put on your wage, and that's the way it'd go. And then you'd, if you got the win the following week, another two hundred pounds would go on your wage. If you got a win, and this would keep building up up to a maximum point, I would imagine. But after about yeah. six wins, ah, you, you can understand. There was, a, there was yeah, basically a bonus absolutely. on a bonus United were for being unbeaten. On a par with what Celtic and Rangers players were earning. So you can understand why they were coming out yeah. of that tunnel at Tandice and absolutely running over their granny to get a result, you know, <laughs> in those games. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a strange. Ewan's right. The timing of it all, it suggests, ah. it suggests it's pretty poor. It suggests that there's something not quite right. <laughs> in the change room at Dens, which is, isn't a good place to be. Does, the it, does it smack yeah. of a player who's out the team and not happy yeah. and want to make it there's look a even worse? There's a whiff of something in the change room that isn't quite right, Dom. It's, it's actually, I have to say, it's the kind of thing that reminds me of what I'd do when I was moaning. <laughs> <laughs> waiting waiting until yeah. something was going wrong and yeah. another thing. Do you know <laughs> yeah, this exactly. as well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not, going, I'm not condemning the leaker too much because... Uh, uh, not not with foot, not with football matches, but uh, I've got a jaded history. Did, Tam, did, did you did you argue for print bonuses? Is that what you were going for? Yeah. I certainly never argued for grammar bonuses. George and Bear <laughs> have both subbed my stories, <laughs> and, and and spelling would never have crossed my mind. <laughs> but George, going back onto the pitch or not, as the case may be, before before the play Aberdeen, Lee Griffiths is up before the Beaks at the SFA. Yeah. Um, How bad is that if he gets a bad? I, I get the feeling, I've no background information, but my feeling is he'll, he will get a ban. Uh, it just seems yeah. like the type of thing they'll uh, clamp down on. Um, he's, he was injured for the game on Saturday um, with, with his ankle knock. Sounds like he'd probably be okay for that Aberdeen game, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see if he's actually going to be able to play. Um, there's no real precedent, so we don't know particularly that there's been five games banded about by the papers in, in Glasgow and stuff, but I can't remember anything like this. That's uh, the SFA of. Yeah. If that is, I mean, if that's a, if that is the worst case scenario, Bear, when's he going to be fit? Match fit, yeah. I mean. Uh, well. Absolutely, because you need games. Training, you do get fit training, but you don't get match fit. You don't get that yard of sharpness that Griffiths looks as though he's just lacking at this point in time. That extra yard that makes a huge difference to a striker time. It makes a difference of finding that foot of space you can stick the ball into the back of the net for him. So, yeah, it would be a, it would be a real concern. My big concern is that, you know, you just wonder at Lee Griffiths now, you know, he's at Dundee. It would be quite, I mean, I'm, I'm being a bit sort of, Skeptical here, but it could be easy for the Beaks to hand him a, 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 a more severe ban than he would perhaps if he was still at one of the old, well, we've still at Celtic, shall we say, because you don't have mm. that balancing up, up act whereby what they do to Celtic players, they have to then do to a Rangers player somewhere else down the line. You know, it's, you know, it's, so I hope that's not the case. I hope that they see it for what it was. Um, I don't think Griffiths uh, did himself any favours, but. I don't think anyone was hurt by the issues. I still haven't seen anyone uh, being brought to task for bringing a flare into the ground, which is another issue which we should be looking at uh, maybe a bit more closely. But um, yeah, Dundee certainly need them right now. Um, we need Lee Griffiths firing um, because they need to find someone who's who's going to find the goals that's going to get them points to get them off the foot of that table. And hopefully trying to 
end the Dundee section on a on a cheery note. Good luck, George. Any chance of Charlie <laughs> Adam being back soon? Uh, from what I hear, he may well be back in training. He's been running. I think he was doing some running. He was never running game. before, George. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I know this is this is a new this is a new concept for him. Is, uh, the serious point of that is is that the great thing about Charlie Adam is he's not in the team for his fitness yeah. at 36 he's in the team for his ability so if he's recovered from his injury if he can go and play 45 minutes in an hour it has to be a good I, thing I, I think we'll see him against Aberdeen I think the the position Dundee are in they need him um, my only concern is we saw last season when he came back from injuries and stuff that he, he took a bit of time to get that match sharpness back it was some players just have it, it comes back really quick, but it felt like with Charlie Adam, it took a wee bit longer last season. But they need his attitude. They need his experience in the middle of the park. And not to say, not least his quality on the ball. Yeah, I, yeah, for me, it's the quality on the ball. I mean, there's very few players anywhere in the Scottish game like him that have got that ability yeah. to find that pass, that, you know, to cut a defence open. And um I mean, in the championship, he was head and shoulders above anybody in that position. But I would argue potentially in the premiership, he's head and shoulders above almost everybody in terms of being able to play the pass. Yeah, he's a presence as well, Ewan. He's a, his presence on the park, the Charlie Adam aura in that Dundee team, it'll lift the team as well. I think Tom touched on it earlier on. You know, the games have been losing. They've been playing quite well, and that it looked as though you know the spirit was still there. But see, when they lost that first goal at Perth on Saturday, I looked around at the team, and the heads had noticeably dropped substantially. And it's like, oh, here we go again, and that's the wrong place to be. So, even getting Charlie Adam back, getting Lee Griffiths back in the team can lift the team just by having them on the park. Yeah, George are no better, George are no better than me, but for, from an outsider looking in. Uh, in those playoff games, Charlie Adam looked so pumped up for them, and it, you know the way he was walking out into the park, and when he scored the goal, the way he celebrated with the fans and and got them all in a seat, you know. So I totally agree with you. But George, I've seen him play a lot more and seen that that impact he's got. He's a, he's a man that takes a, a game by the by the throat. He, he, he's, he he loves the big games. He loves playing for Dundee first and foremost. But I think he really really enjoys. When uh, the chips are down, I don't know. I don't know how many cliches I can get into this answer, but uh, you know, what I mean, it's uh, when it matters. Charlie likes to be the one to five. <laughs> <laughs> likes to be the one to to stand up and be counted. A six, yeah. Uh, but no, I th- I think the irony is he's the one that's conducting the negotiations <laughs> over the bonuses. He's playing for Dundee because he's a fan. He's made his money. It's, it, it makes it makes that situation even more ridiculous, doesn't well, it? Well, maybe that's why. He, obviously, he's captain, so he's taking on the responsibility. And yeah, it's it's strange. Um, I imagine he probably won't be too happy that it's come out if he's the one in the talks. Yes, I would think so. But that's even enough doom and gloom for me. So we'll after this, we'll move on to Dundee United, and you and I'll be smiling all over his face. Right, Ewan, Dundee United. A wee bit of controversy off the park. Well, maybe a big bit in a more worldwide issue than 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 football, but it just keeps going well, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I think we should talk about football first and then we will get into that situation. I'll decide that. Okay. <laughs> hey, can we have a show of hands? Five minutes, lad. <laughs> <laughs> a little vote. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, hey, my middle name's Putin. <laughs> the only thing I'll show of hands will lead in is some cut off. <laughs> right, okay. Okay. I'll try and start with the football and see if you reel me back. You can. Um, I think from a football perspective, particularly the first half, uh, Dundee United where brilliant in the first half, you know, full of creativity going forward. Uh, Peter Pollitt, um, Baird had spoken about Peter Pollitt being in the form of his life last week and he was un- unplayable for the first 45 minutes. He was everywhere. He was supposed to be playing in a wide role, but he was coming deep all the time. He, he's just desperate to get on the ball in that first half. Um, and United probably should have been two or three goals to the good at half time, but hadn't taken their chances. Um, in terms of second half, Ross County played a lot better. They hit the post and they had a goal ruled offside, which was just marginally offside. Um, so I suppose from their perspective, we can count ourselves a little bit lucky. And United did have the feeling of a little bit of hanging on towards the end. And, and you know, and the fans desperate to hear that final whistle at the end of the game because... Um, but it's the defence again. The Dun United defence is really, really solid and... I can see why Seagrist has been uh, recalled to the side. I feel a little bit for Carson because Carson, as people have pointed out, did absolutely nothing wrong during his spell as standby. But Seagrist is just a, a level up in terms of a goalkeeper. He makes the saves that other goalkeepers can only dream of making. So from that perspective... Is he going to be hard to hang on? Or? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've, we've probably said this in probably about... I don't know how many podcasts have been said this in the past, you know, um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely astounded that nobody has come in with the money for him, but m- my fear p- potentially would be with Seagrist would be that they might lose him on a free, you know, that he might allow his contract to run down and, and then get the, the, the big move and then he makes the, the, the wad of cash uh, off the transfer rather than Dundee United, which would be a shame uh, from that perspective. So, they have to. They've got the hard balancing act between wanting to keep a fan's favourite at the club and and everything and going well, and then maybe trying to cash in on an asset when they can make money off of them. So, um, but he's not the only one. I mean, the defence in front of him's uh, been phenomenal. I mean, the partnership between uh, Charlie Mulgrew and Ryan Edwards at the centre of defence is really really solid. You've got the calm and influence of Charlie. I mean, he just he just strolls about in the game, you know. It doesn't matter, he's 35, 36, he just strolls about. He's so intelligent in terms of his, uh, his reading of the game. And then Ryan Edwards is just an out-and-out defender and gets the ball, uh, the job done, you know. So um, that's working really well uh, in front of him. And I think whilst over in Glasgow, some of the Celtic fans are looking at this Angie ball, they're calling it, where they are, it just seems to be all-out attack. For me... The solid foundations of a winning and a successful team always starts in your back. Your your goalkeeper, Beryl, love to hear that. Your goalkeeper and your defence. And I think that's what Dun United are building upon. They're not getting the goals. I mean, their goal difference, I think, is level. I think it's, it's uh, I think it's uh, without looking at the table, I think it's five scored and five against. So, you know, they've got, they've got four, um, uh, no, it's, sorry, they've got more. It's, it's not five, four. I'll need to take that out again. Sorry. Is that okay? Yeah. So, I mean, without looking at the, the table, their goal difference is level, I believe, um, and their four wins have all been one nils. So it's not on paper; it's not exciting, but actually, in reality, it is actually quite exciting to watch. I how did the at the other end of the pitch? How did Niskanen do? Got his got his first goal, but help from the goalie. I thought when I saw it, but uh, 
great to get him. He seems to be settling very quickly. Yeah, I think there's still a lot more to come from uh, Niskanen, and he'd probably say that himself. Um, he did get a real boost during the week because he got called back into the Finland squad, um, which I think I don't think he's like he's up to a hundred percent at Dundee United yet, and he's not come in and like um, suddenly just turned into this big superstar winger for them so far. But he did get the assist at Celtic Park. He did get the goal. He did have another chance as well. And it, for 60 minutes or so, he looked really good. And then he tired and then he came off. Um, but, I mean, he was, oh, my God, the, the photographs of him when he was celebrating. I mean, he, did has a man ever looked so delighted to score a goal than he did? I mean, it's just, it's great to see. You know, he's loving playing in Scottish football. Um, he was talking after the game about how he's, He's still trying to settle off the puck. He's still living in a hotel. He's still looking for somewhere to live. Um, and all those things have been put in the back burner because he's just so busy with Dundee United. And then he's obviously away on international duty this week with Finland. Do you think it's helped him with the uh, the hold-up with the work permit and, and stuff? Obviously, he was training with the club already. Do you think that maybe helped settle in a wee bit? He had a few weeks before he was playing. Yeah, I think training unofficially you would be under that <laughs> under that guy. He's on holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think... Happened to jog in the same <laughs> park. Yeah, I don't know if that helps or hindered because, I mean, he's, he's at pains to point out that when he was he was in German football last year with Ingolstadt and he didn't really get much game time. So he, he's, he's probably still, as we were talking earlier about Lee Griffiths, he's probably still not match fit. Um, but perhaps from the point of view of getting to know the club a little bit, George, and having that attachment yeah. to the club, because that's the one thing I'll say about him. He already seems to 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 really love the club, and the fans have, have, have taken to him in a big way. So so that's half the battle. If you win the fans over, um, then you're already on to a winner with, with your career. You're, you've bought yourself more time, you know, on the pitch. Um, and I think he'll be a good player for them going forward. I mean, nobody... Is capped. I mean, he's capped six times for Finland, and clearly he's very much at the forefront of the Finnish team's thoughts. Even though he missed out, and Finland, thankfully for them, aren't what they used to be. No, but they were at they were at the Euros. They, they, they were at the Euros they, last year. You know. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. I remember the days when you you said he got a boost to being called up. I remember as his manager, you would probably ten years ago if you got called up for Finland, you'd be going, "Oh no, you'll come back. You'll come back miserable." But now they're they're competing with the best. Yeah, they? they are. Although he, he, he was talking at the weekend about how they're in a really good position for qualifying for the World Cup. And I went back to check the, the, the groups, not being a Finnish football expert, expecting Finland to be top of their group. But they're actually in third. Scotland are in a better position for qualifying as far as I can see. But that said... For now. Uh, yeah, we'll go on to that positivity at the end of this, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but... I think the point is that he feels that he's got a point to prove at international level because he just missed out in the Euro uh, squad. He'd played um, six games uh, towards the back end of 2020. So at that point, he must have thought, I'm on a winner here. I've got a chance of playing at the Euros. But then he dropped out of the picture in Germany, so he didn't get called into the squad. And and, and as he pointed out, that, that was the first time that Finland had ever qualified for the Euros. So he missed out on a, yeah. a major achievement. Um, so he has got that motivation of wanting to play in the World Cup that's driving him on, and that can only be a good thing for Dundee United. You know, if he's if he's got that drive and ambition. Uh, sorry, if I can just come in there, that Bear. I think I'm. I think I'm very safe in saying you're the only one of this quartet who's ever experienced mm-hmm. being called in an international squad. What does it do to a player? How well, big a boost? Uh, uh, can oh, you remember? It's, it's a while back for me now, but. Um... I can only I can only imagine. I mean, it's it's you walk tall, don't you? I mean, getting that getting that opportunity to go and play for your country and, and wear the badge. I mean, it's a, it's a really 
it's a really special feeling and uh you know it's it's all credit to the lad that he's he's managed to do that because he's he's obviously he's taken himself out his out his home country obviously to better himself and he's he's going round uh Europe now he finds himself at Dundee United and he started off well and you and right I mean I echo what Ewan was saying there he got his first goal I've got to say where we help bit of help from the, the Ross County goalkeeper if only Dundee could play against goalkeepers <laughs> like that Tom this is what we I are know. needing something like that but uh Aye. No, but the, the right. pictures were absolutely fantastic. And fair play to the, the cameraman who, who actually got them because he, the delight on his face was was plain to see. And, you know, I could, I could only benefit him. But playing on at that level, I think when you... What it is, if you play at international level, you come back every game, although you're... You know, the domestic game is your bread and butter, but you feel like you could you could cope with anything. Once you've... Once you, the higher level that you go in football, is it's like it's a, you're, you're dropping down at a standard to play at your domestic level, if you like, you know. So you feel you, you're well capable of, you know, competing and, and you know, you know whatever, whatever's thrown at you, you can handle it. So, um, yeah, like uh, Ewan said, it can only be good for Dundee United that, that this lad has started. He's got his goal. Everything's on up for him. And, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see what he does over the next few weeks. For for those of you who are not a bare groupie like me, I should point out he was a Scottish junior international goalkeeper many decades ago. <laughs> decades. Uh, but I mean, going back to the specific benefits from the, the the boys' play from United, that's you touched on it. Great cross at Parkhead uh, for the equaliser, and then on Saturday, however helpful the goalkeeper was, it's great to see a winger come into the the back post general area like he did and and because it's always great to know he, he's he's a goal threat as well yeah i think he, he had a good record uh in germany did he before before last season in terms of goals Ewan? I, I think in finnish football he certainly finnish did football, if you look at of course yeah if yeah, you look at you're probably thinking about the youtube videos that we've seen of him uh, no i remember course. looking at his stats and yeah there was a few goals in there and i think in terms of wingers are always we've seen it for for the decades that Bear can remember, I guess, but um, watch it, George. But, uh, <laughs> wingers were always wingers were always scoring against him at the near post. Uh, wingers are always they tend to be up and down. That's just the nature of trying to find a consistent winger. Uh, they tend to be at the top end of the game, so it's good to see a player like that get off to a really good start and make an impact where it really matters. And because they're in the team to create goals and and, and hopefully score goals as well, so. So I saw. Um, I remember. Obviously, we were at the derby together, and I saw you interviewing him after the game. You and he looked really happy, and he looked like he's really pleased to be there. Um, which you could see is, is kind of coming off in in the way he's playing as well. And it's seemed it's been a good move for, for both sides. I think and that's exactly. What, there's always a bit of um, maybe worry or concern when you're bringing a player from from abroad whether they'll settle and all that sort of thing. But there doesn't seem to be in any trouble with that. Obviously, apart from him finding a house. You know. Yeah, I think I think that is. I mean, maybe I'm just generalising here, but it seems to be a Scandinavian trait. They they generally come and settle in Scottish football very mm. well and adapt very well. And and quite often we see. I'm going back years now, but some some of the. If you looked at the rain out the window, this is tropical for them. <laughs> Some of our colleagues will remember this, but Jan Moby, when he was at Liverpool, I mean, by the time he was doing interviews towards the end of his Liverpool he career, got the jail. Thought, yeah, but you but you did think he was a scouser, didn't you, by the time he was talking? <laughs> yes, I. He was a great player. Yeah. I loved Jan Moby. Mainly because he was quite fat. <laughs> United have always had a bit of good history with Scandinavians, haven't they? Throughout all the years. Yes. It's continuing that good trend. 
to keep the foreign flavour alive, Ewan, what can you tell us about Maxime Biamu? Yeah, Maxime Biamu, right. You speak, how was, I know, first of all, what about my pronunciation there? You speak French. Was that good? Yeah, hey, Maxime Biamu. That's, that's not bad, actually. Maxime Biamu. Yeah, I mean, I think this this has obviously come about very in the last couple of days, but Tam Courts did mention uh, towards the back end of last week that he was looking for a, a target man. Um, Mark McNulty's injured. He could be out for quite a while, um, but they were looking for a target man anyway. And I think that most Dundee United fans would probably go along with that, that that is, that is one of the missing pieces of the jigsaw we've done United so he does look to be six foot one um he's got played I think the record show he's played around about 100 games for Coventry um at various levels because they've obviously come through the leagues in the last few years but he played 36 games last year um scored six goals for them and I did look at some of the highlights of some of his goals and he does seem to score goals of all descript I saw an overhead kick in his highlights uh, I saw a a sclaff over the line from uh, that just crossed the line from about a yard. Um, I saw a header. Uh, I saw him running on to a through ball. So, I mean, he will offer uh, Dundee United something different. And I think it's something that they really do need, to be honest with you. Um, for all, I'm talking about how great the defence is, and it is fantastic. And also, I still think they're quite exciting to watch. I think that they probably just need it missing that killer instinct. And if they've got another option to, to offer that, then that would be great. And one more thing I'll say when I did the research, often you see a player released, you think, oh, well, there's a lot of people are saying, oh, well, his time was up and everything. But the commentary fans weren't happy that he was released in the summer. You know, they, yeah. a lot of them were saying that, you know, you're better than what we've got. And uh, you're a real sort of he's clearly a real fan's favourite so that's probably good from Dundee United's perspective somebody else is going to come in and potentially buy into what Dundee United are about and a bit like Niskanen you know quickly quickly get the support of the supporters so um, I think it's quite a positive move and unfortunately the downside uh, of Saturday's win uh, was that Giando Fuchs felt he was racially abused by a Ross County fan which is created a bit of a kerfuffle over whether he was or he wasn't, but just the fact that one thing I think we can say with 100% certainty is he's not making it up whether he heard correctly or not. And abuse is bad. Racial abuse is bad. And it's sad to see it rearing its head again. Yeah, I think we, we, we have to be very careful. So we qualify this right at the start. We're at allegation stage at the moment, you know, so we we, we can't be the judge of whether the race, racist abuse was made or whether it wasn't. But I think you're very right to point out that something was said, whether it was racist or whether it was it was critical. And I don't think anyone's... I to interject. It struck me right away. Somebody, uh, Ross County said it was a swear word. Yeah. It, it's not okay to no. shout and swear at people. no. And hopefully it was only a swear word and he did miss here. But abuse is not good and racial abuse yeah, is and worse. It, and it's at the point of the game, right? it's an unusual point of the game for a player to make that complaint because Dundee United had literally just scored and nearly their whole team was over-celebrating Maniskin and now Fuchs was playing over that side of the park close to the Ross County fans. And at that point, so his players are away, teammates are away celebrating, but he at that point has become visibly upset and then goes and, and tells his, his teammates and then tell the bench and then the referee and the fourth official become involved in it. So it's not at the point of a game where, you know, he's been involved in a challenge and there's been a, a and he's in danger of being sent off and is and he's trying to like you know come up with some reason why he's done that. You know, it's 
it's clearly something has really upset him at that point. Um, whether it, whether it's racist, we don't know. Dundee United and Ross County are loggerheads with that because Ross County have come out with a they come up with a very wordy statement and and defending their supporters, which they will do, and but but making it clear from their perspective it wasn't. But I felt their statement maybe crossed the line a little bit because I felt that there was still an investigation being conducted, and Dundee United haven't publicly said this, but we believe that there's a statement has gone in uh, to uh, the powers that be from Dundee United um, showing that they've got some corroboration over the fact there was a racist abuse. So um, more will come on this, but regardless, like you say, whether it's racist or whether it's abuse, it's not acceptable. And, the, and, and Jando was clearly upset and his teammates really rallied around him and the manager rallied around him as well. So kudos to them for actually for standing up for their teammate. Yeah, it, it did strike me, maybe Tam Courts was slightly premature with the show racism and the red card t-shirt, but I don't see any harm in that. Maybe they should do it at the end of every game or the start of every game. It might, it might help, especially at the start of the game, it might help keep people in check. But Ross County complained that he was being premature by doing that and then prematurely say it wasn't. Let that, so two wrongs don't make a right. And it wasn't, the, it wasn't the biggest mistake if it was a mistake that any manager will ever make showing that T-shirt. Let the, let the investigation take place. Yeah, I would bring, bring in the others on this part because I do have quite strong views on what Tam Courts did at the end, but I, I'm interested to hear what Bear and what George have got to think from from a, a different perspective on on what Tam Courts did at the end of the game. Oh, I, mean, I, I mean, I just thought, did Tam Courts actually hear anything himself? I mean, was he aware of it or has he taken his player, player's word on it? I mean, to be fair, the Ross County fans are right behind him. They're right behind him and it looked like I mean, I don't know you, and it looked like was there only a couple of hundred Ross County fans actually at the game? Mm, less than that, probably. Barely, yeah, yeah, so I mean, you, but you could sometimes hear things a bit more clearly that way, you and you know, when there's when there's maybe only one or two isolated shouts rather than, you know, and amongst a, a crowd of fans. So I was just wondering if Tam Courts had actually heard anything himself, and, you know, he, he was he was of the opinion that something was uh, racist in, in the sort of the, the tone of it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, whether he should have shown the T-shirt or not, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's up to for the powers that be to say whether that's that's a breach as well. But Tom's right. I mean, they used to come at the start of the games with the show races and the red card. You guys will remember that as well. And, uh, you know, it's something we talk about that, you know, the, the players taking the knee and it's sort of it run its course. And, but it's amazing to think that we can still remember that the players coming out with the car, show races and the red card before. Again, yeah. It wasn't a bad idea, actually. That sticks with me as well. So, yeah, anything we can do in the game to weed it out um, we'll have to we'll have to take that that course, but it's obviously we've got to wait for the investigation to be you know take its path and and you know and then they make their conclusions from that. And George, I mean, as touchline mistakes go, if it was a mistake to show that T-shirt, it might be the least offensive mistake <laughs> in the history. Yeah, of you can't you can't really moan at the the intention behind it, the uh, or the message he was putting out that. We should be showing racism the red card. Um, I agree that I think he was maybe uh, jumped the gun a wee bit. There's no cliche, just to throw that in. Um, I know, seven. <laughs> um, but from his point of view, he's backing up his player. Uh, and that's a manager's job, I would say. You need to, need to do that. It, it may be, I, I feel like he may be 
just need to take a step back and let the investigation kind of run its course and find out exactly what happened. Maybe, maybe like you say, Barry, he did hear something, yeah. and that's what that's uh, what. Just, just on that subject, you and just um, was was Tom Courts always going to stand aside and let Liam Fox do the aftermatch stuff? Do you know, or did he take that decision after what had happened? I. I would be. I don't know if they said the the correct the hundred percent answer to that, but I would be very surprised if he would have stood beside. And I think, and and also don't know whether that was Tam Court's decision to do that right. or not at the end, you know. But potentially it was a sensible decision because he's obviously yeah. the adrenaline's pumping after what he's just done, and you know, and 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 you have to maybe take a step back and and as George is pointing out, allow the investigation to take place, and perhaps Tam was of a mind that he would have wanted to say something to the media after the game and and it maybe wasn't the appropriate moment to do that if they were still in conducting it. But from what he did from the gesture, I agree with I agree with that you could say that maybe he jumped a gun a little bit with that. But I do also agree with the fact that it shows tremendous backing for his players, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it shows. And one of his biggest strengths that Tam Kurtz has, has already shown over the last few months is that he's got a brilliant man management brilliant man management skills I mean the, the the players are playing for them they're playing out their skin for them and if they feel as though they've got 100% backing of their manager at all times then that's you know that's tremendous and I think I've read a lot of comments on social media from Dun United fans and I think that Tam Courts has gone up in their estimation for for what he did um, and what I didn't like about the uh, after the game was was Malky McKay's comments about where did he get the t-shirt and was it premeditated? I mean, come on, these t- as you're pointing out, we've got these things. These things are still going. Where we've got we've got show the racism red card events that are going on before games. There'll be t- boxes of t-shirts kicking about every club in Scottish football, so it won't be that difficult to to get your hands on the thing. And I don't think that... Uh, we're a long way from throwing them out because they're no need Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think for a, a single moment that um, at the start of the game, before anything had even happened, that Tam Courts decided, oh, at the end of this game, I'm going to go up and wave this T-shirt in front of the Ross County supporters. That It wasn't premeditated from that point of view. Yes, I believe probably at half-time when they'd gone in, because this incident had happened not long before half-time. I believe that probably at that point, the T-shirt made its way to the bench, however it made its way, way to the bench. But... It's as you pointed out. Um, also, Tam. I mean, it's it's a protest, but I mean, it's. I think it's it's a an area that most of us would support. You know, we don't want racism. We don't want racism in football. We don't want racism in any walk of life. And while we're it pains to point out, we don't know if there has been any racism taking place uh, on Saturday. Surely it's still a powerful message to be showing this to, to people that racism has got no place yeah. in football. Yeah. I think um on Ross County, I think they maybe should have taken a, a leaf out of United's book. There's another cliche, I can't can't help myself, but um it, and maybe not had Malky Mackay talking about racism considering his history. Uh probably won't mention more about that, but I think they should have kept him away. I didn't like that at all. You could maybe argue Malkin Mackay's best qualified, and maybe he he apologised profusely for insensitive uh, use of social media uh, in the past, and and it was the apology was accepted, and he's moved on. What he what he maybe needs to add to that is a wee bit more understanding that people do yeah. uh, make mistakes, and then if you compare the mistakes <laughs> of the two managers exactly. historically, no. 
don't, I don't, I don't see anyone hauling Tam Courts up and saying, exactly, you shouldn't do that. Well, you, you well, well, like I say, personally, I would say, well, maybe, maybe you should do every game as a matter of course, and and Bear touched on maybe the, taking the knee, taking the knees a bit like the the. Sponsorship on your front of your strip. After a after a while, you don't really notice. So maybe they need to do something to refresh it to keep the message at the front of people's minds. But um, the only other thing we I mean we touched on uh, Mark McNulty. Any news, Ewan, on how long it might be? I see. It, it, He's getting surgery. Is that right? I think he's going to be out for quite a while. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I've not caught up with it. I'm, I'm off it the, the last couple of days. I've not caught up with the surgery aspect. From You're certain, never off. So certainly from the, the the last conversation I had with Tam Courts about him, which was at the back end of last week, um, he's going to be out for quite considerable time. Tam's always very reticent to to put timeframes on injuries. Um, I've noticed that very quickly that he that he never puts a time frame on an injury. And then Benji came back a lot quicker than anybody had anticipated in the goals. But I think I don't think we'll see McNulty until towards December time from the way the conversations were, were being had. And and I think that's probably why they've speeded up efforts to try and bring in Maxime Biamu. Um because they, they they're like Yeah. I mean hamstring injuries are are generally bad anyway in lengthy things, but when you hear even just talk or do we need to operate on this, that that makes it more concerning, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, at the time, I can, I can visibly remember. I think I pointed this out last week. At the time, it, it happened in the the defeat to Hibernian in the Premier Sports Cup, and at the time, straight away, I mean, he was hobbling all over the place, and I thought that's a bad one. We're not going to see him for quite a bit, quite a while. So I was a little bit surprised when I initially read comments suggesting that he might, he might be on a similar time frame to Charlie Mulgrew, because the two injuries looked totally different to me, and. Um, I'm not surprised now to see that it's, it's going to be a bit of time. And as a blow, he's not scored since he came back on loan this season. But, I mean, he's still a, he's still a, an international class player. He's played twice for Scotland. He's still got ability if he, if he can go firing, get firing. There's a lot to offer it. outside the box as well, doesn't he, as a footballer? Yeah, and that's what United need right now. Is they need they need players that are, go, that are going to work on all areas of the pitch. They can't have anybody that's, that's just going to hang about in the six-yard box and not do anything else. And I know they need a penalty box striker, but they need the penalty box striker that's still going to do the work out with the penalty box as well. So um, he is an important player. Um, it is going to be a blow. Um, but Nicky Clark still impresses me. I think he works hard as well. But again, he's another one that needs to get his goal record up in the in the Scottish Premiership. I mean, he was a natural goal scorer at other levels. Um, and if he could get more goals in the Scottish Premiership, that would do Dun United a, a massive favour. And make things even better for them. So after this, we'll move on, hopefully, to more cheery news to come this weekend. Big Saturday, boys. I'm going out for my tea. <laughs> Will I have wine or tequila? I'm having a Mexican issue. That's why I said tequila, she'd explain. I've had a nightmare. I thought it was a 7.45 kickoff. Five o'clock kickoff. Yeah. So you going I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna um I'm gonna leave the room. You can talk about Scotland and and they're now is it, is it every three months I have to play as well. <laughs> they can't get away from each other, can we? 
I was I was having a look at that earlier actually. We only played Israel three times before twenty eighteen. This will be the seventh time since then that we've, we've faced them. Just wow, that's incredible. There's more Scotland Israel games than there are George Grand <laughs> cliches. Well, just wait. Uh, it's massive, isn't it? Yeah. Second place is sitting there waiting. They're going to win. I think they can. I think, uh, yeah, sorry. I think just, I mean, fair play to Steve Clark. He, he was brought in to get Scotland out of the mire that they were in and and get them qualifying for, for major tournaments. And he, he's done that with the Euros and he's now he's now got us on course for the World Cup in Qatar. Who would have thought it? I mean, you know, we've a long way to go yet, but that winning uh, Austria, you know, that's, that's what you need. You need somewhere along the line in the group, somebody needs to do that. Unfortunately, this time it was actually Scotland that did it against one of their main rivals, but what they've got to do now is they've got to go and capitalise on that performance and, and beat Israel at Hamden Park on Saturday at tea time. So, um, now, Israel are, are technically technically are a very good side. And if, if, you, if you sit back and watch them, they'll probably play you off the park. But history suggests they're not the best side on the road, I've got to say. Most of the results tend to come at home. Um, and I'd like to think that Scotland have got their number now. Steve Clark was a shrewd manager. He very rarely makes the same mistake twice. And he knows, he'll know exactly where the dangers are in the Israel team. And it, I'm sure he'll have them pinpointed. But he knows that if Scotland can get at Israel, they can get a result. And what a result it would be if we could get three points if we're sitting, you know, uh, you know, at the end of, end of sort of Saturday night and we're, we're sitting on 14 points and we're playing the Pharaohs on Tuesday. What a, what a position we would be in, not to qualify directly from the group, but to, to put ourselves in a really strong position to claim that that playoff spot, and you know that would that would be a real achievement because it, it was a tough tough group. But first and foremost, they've got to take care of matters on Saturday. So fingers crossed. Is it fair to say tactically these games against Israel have been amongst the hardest for Steve Clark? I, I mean, my memory, which is fading these days, is. Even when, even in the game Scotland have won, I wouldn't say they were miles ahead, you know. And to be fair, if we were if we were doing this podcast somewhere in Israel, we might be saying exactly the same things. They seem to be see two teams that almost sort of are able to cancel each other out at times. Yeah, I, I think you. I think you're spot on in the games I've watched with Israel. I've never felt comfortable in any of the games that we've played against Israel. You know, I've 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 always felt. Oh, they're they're just like one chance away from equalising against us, and they are they're quite a dangerous side. Israel, I think I think Bear's right to point out that the win in Austria is massive, and the performance in Austria was massive, and and it is the kind of result that sets you on a path to potentially qualifying. But I think Israel are a, a level up from Austria in my in my opinion. I think as a side now, I think Israel have got more attacking threat than than Austria do. Um, they'll be coming, remember, it's a massive game for Scotland and we're in the driving seat at the moment, but it, it puts them in a, in, a, in a very strong position if they beat us at Hamden, so it's going to be massive. Um, I'm going down, I bought tickets, uh, I bought a free game package. I've also, I'm also Mr. Positivity and I've actually booked to go away to Moldova uh, for a Tartan Army trip. <laughs> I'm having a start at a main course. Of food. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 f- football always comes ahead of food. I know, I know it doesn't always appear that way when you see me, but football does always come ahead of food for me. Um, so uh, my was on the fixture list, not the the dinner menu when I was looking at the at the game of the weekend. But um, 
I'm really looking forward to it. It's a full house uh, on Saturday, which is fantastic. The tickets sold out within hours of us beating Moldova. Um, my son, 15, he's going down and he oh, he gets so pumped up for these Scotland games. In. But I'm, I'm Mr. Uh, a pint half full. I mean, I'd have us. I'd have Andy Robertson, as we said before, lifting the World Cup there and, <laughs> and, and next year, you know. But um, I'm still on the edge for this one because I'm wary of what Israel can do against us. And George, as, as you and Bear have touched on, is, is it maybe fair to say the win in Austria for Scotland was the head-turning result in the group so far? Because all all credit to Denmark, but nobody's surprised. <laughs> that Denmark are away out in front in the group, but everyone in the group must have, even Denmark would have looked at that and went, oh, that's quite an interesting result. So it, it's about momentum now. Especially with the way we didn't really have that much momentum behind us. After the games just before the Euros and then Euros didn't quite go our way and I, I can't remember the, the exact start, but we hadn't won in quite a few games until that Moldova one. So I think I think there was a wee bit of surprise, maybe I probably from a lot of Scots as well that we went away and, and pulled off a, a result like that in Austria. Um, but as Bear says, it's it's not just about doing that once; it's about then building on it uh, and winning your home games. Home games is something we've been really good at over the over the years and years. That I've been going to watch Scotland games, um, so I'm. I'm I'm feeling really good about Saturday. Um, even though I, I agree, Israel are a good team. Zahavi is a really, really tricky player to to get a hold of, and our record against Israel isn't isn't brilliant. Even the the big one we, we beat them in the in the playoffs, it took penalties, so it, it's going to be tight, I would imagine. But you look at our squad, and it looks pretty good at the moment. I think we've got Tierney's playing well, Robertson's playing well. Got McTominay's back in the Man U team. John McGinn's playing really well for Aston Villa. Ryan Christie's ripping it up for Bournemouth, apparently. Dykes is scoring. Nisbet scored at Ibrox at the weekend. There's loads to be happy about. Jack Hendry, I don't think, has lost the game this season at, at Club Bruges so far. And he's played against Messi, Neymar and Mbappe uh, in one of them. So I think A few uh, good names on there you threw in there. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think there's plenty to be uh, positive about. Um as long as they don't uh, beat Israel and then go trip up in the Pharaohs again. Oh, I know. Well, my big fear would be is if the if the draw against Israel, and I, th- I think we'll take care of the Pharaohs, but you're going to Moldova, and I see them sitting right at the bottom of the group, and I, I've got that banana skin written all over that one when we have, if we'll have to go there and get a result. Like, that worries me. Georgia you know, all over and, again. Oh, okay, yeah. Trust me. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah. Let's take the opportunity at Hamden Park on Saturday. I, I think you're right, you and f- with a home crowd, you get them rocking. You know, like, there will be like an extra man for you at Hamden Park. You know, um, that's if everyone gets in and everybody's got their, you know, their coronavirus passports and things like that. And there might not be a full, full attendance. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think if alcohol kills coronavirus, <laughs> the crowd will be okay. A Saturday, a, a World Cup qualifier at Hamden on a Saturday is great, isn't it? The atmosphere, and it is. There's no getting away from it. It's to an extent, it's drink fueled, but it's mental. At Hamden on a Saturday afternoon evening uh, in a World Cup game that matters. I think so, Tom. But I think the, the, the players have to realise that as well and use it to their advantage. They need to get the, the crowd going by doing something. You know, 
you don't want to see a slow start. I know Steve Clark might, you know, might be quite happy to get a bit of possession here, but you want to get the crowd off their feet and get right at Israel. You don't want to give them time to bed in, and because technically they are good, they can pass for fun. Um, so yeah, let, let's get right at them and, and and take the game to them, and hopefully. You mentioned some of the players, George, that are in the squad that are playing well. And, you know, I'd like to think that one of the strikers is going to come up trumps, whether it's Dykes or whether it's, you know, Che Adams. One of them, you know, when they get that first chance, they're going to be putting it past the post, get it in the net and get us off the flyer and get the fans going. And I think if we get that, we'll be on the right path. I think I think we've got so many talented individual players in that squad. As, as George is rightly pointing out, I mean, Jack Hendry's really kicked on since he moved to Club Bruce. You know, it's, it's, it's at a new level in Belgian football, but our midfield's amazing. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about players that are worth... I mean, uh, John McGinn's been quoted as being a £50 million player in the past, and I don't think it's too far away from the truth in the current market down in English football. McTominay, for me, fantastic footballer that will be a mainstay of that Manchester United midfield for years to come. I mean, we've got on paper, we've got a really, really good squad of individual players. And it's Didn't just, even mention Billy Gilmore. Yeah, Billy Gilmore. I know we haven't even talked about Billy Gilmore. And Billy Gilmore potentially could be one of, could be our world-class player. I mean, he he is our player already, age 20, as our world-class uh, player in our team. But you're right, but... I want to go back to what Bear said about uh, Georgia. Um, you're right about you're right about that. I went. I went to. I've, I mean, I'm a dafty. I go to quite a lot of Tartan Army trips, and I went away to Georgia. I think this will be fun. You know, we'll go on a Tartan Army trip. We'll have great fun as we always do, and we'll win a game. And I went away, and we got absolutely stunned by them. You know, we just we don't we we let ourselves down sometimes when we least expect it, and then we also pull our result out of the bag when we least expect it you know like we did at Wembley in the Euros you know everybody was writing us off for that game and then Scotland go and produce a, an outstanding performance and, and deservedly get a point you know and I remember the campaign in Euro 2008 when you know we, we beat France home and away in that campaign you know and um, nobody expected that we're capable of these big results but then we're also capable of, of getting so close and thinking yeah we're there we're there we've just got to beat Moldova and then it just it falls down. So it's not quite over if we win on, on um, Saturday, um, but it does give us a, a big step towards getting in the playoffs to get to get towards the World Cup. Great stuff, chaps. Hopefully next week we're back and we're talking about a great Scottish win over Israel. But we'll just have to wait and see. I might even tell you what I had for my pudding. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice. Or go to the telly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>